Good morning and happy Sunday. Let's get going with our countdown as we start another Sunday with weightless in mind, body, and spirit. So exciting. Well, good morning and happy Sunday and welcome to another episode of Weightless in Mind, Body and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. You know me, doubly certified, board certified doc. My goodness, master movement meditation and mindset coach, two-time best-selling author, wife, mother, friend, sister. Yeah, you name it, all the wonderful and complex things that you are, we are, and here we are. Today, I'm super excited about the guest that we have waiting backstage. She is another one of our super friends, so I want everybody to get out your writing instruments, crayons, markers, pens, pencils, your journal, your notebook, your piece of paper, however you keep track, because you're going to want this information. You're going to learn something about what might be a new concept in medicine for you. You're going to learn something about how you could take the terrain of you, pay attention to that word terrain, and move yourself to the next level, new mindset, new idea, right? And so that brings me to why we call this show Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. So yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I'm board certified in obesity medicine. We talk about all the ways that in all this body systems that that if we know how to be in balance with ourselves, including our ideal weight and ideal metabolism. Wow, you know, we get we get healed. And we talk about the importance of healing in mind, body, and spirit. And we look at the science of it. And then we also look at the spirituality behind it. We look at the meaning of what does it mean to feel weightless in mind, body, and spirit. So the feeling tone of your life has a a wonderful and light quality to it. So important, we go on both sides. In today's show, my friend and my very special guest, Dr. Maya Shetri Klein, is waiting backstage. I'm going to bring her on. First, I want to say hello to some of our guests that are tuning in this morning, and then we're going to bring Dr. Maya on. And she's going to talk about, well, first of all, she's a pediatric neurobiologist, right? No, she's a pediatric Yeah, she's a pediatric neurologist. She's also a neurobiologist, an ethnobotanist. She's many, many, many things. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself and share her story, you know, how she got into medicine and what she's doing now. But we met, my goodness, quite a while ago up in Cropalo at a program called, I was thinking it was My Mood and Food. And she was then talking about her book, The Dirt Cure, which is like a global bestseller. And from the 
pediatric point of view, what we need to be doing to optimize the health and wellness of our kids, starting with, yep, you know, rolling around out in the dirt and playing in the sunshine and why that's so important. But I digress. So I want to say hello to a few folks, and then we're going to bring Dr. Maya on and meet her and learn about something called the Terrain Summit. So good morning and welcome, Victoria. Glad to see you here today. Yes. Good morning, Dr. Lady in Red. Yes. Red, first chakra this morning. We're talking about our roots. Good morning, Sharon on this sunny day. I hope you all are ready to ask some powerful questions. Good morning, Dr. Kathy. Of course, Dr. Kathy, I believe that you and Dr. Maya have met before, but maybe not. So welcome, welcome, Center for Mind, Body, Medicine in the house. Good morning, Martha. Yeah. Oh, Sharon, Sharon, Sharon. I first met Dr. Meyer many years ago via Foodist Medicine with the Center for Mind, Body, Medicine. Bravo. So your fans follow you, Dr. Maya. Good morning, Dr. Dawn. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, DM. All right. So we've got quite a wonderful group gathered here. Let's bring Dr. Maya Shitri Klyon, author of this amazing book, The Dirt Cure. If you don't have it, get it, download it and audibles. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Good morning, Dr. Maya. Yay. Welcome. We did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> so first of all, welcome to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. I am so excited about what you are bringing to us, what you're bringing to the world this week. But before we get into that, how does a little girl, you're from, are you originally from the Bronx? I am actually from Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, originally from, okay. Well, how does a little girl from Alexandria, Virginia become a pediatric neurologist? <laughs> well, um, well, you might want to fix that question to say a pediatric neurologist who breaks all the rules and does herbalism and... <laughs> Well, yes, we, we're going to get into that. So, you know, seriously, who does herbalism, who does spirituality, who's I've, I've, I've been to her home, who's got chickens and eggs, you know, little chickens running around in the yard and makes these beautiful, natural, you know, altars and sacred and spiritual places. How does that happen? Well, you know, I think one of my most prominent memories as a kid, I was an only child. So, um, and I grew up in this suburban area outside of Washington, D.C., and um, I just remember spending a lot of time next to this creek. It was like a runoff creek, actually, near my house. I used to just spend hours playing by this creek, making little potions, you know, doing, I think, things that a lot of kids do. Um, and that was like really my whole you know, I did that and I read books. Those were my big things besides the usual things that kids do. And I didn't have siblings. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately you start to realize that doing all the, you know, playing by the creek and making pretty little, you know, things with nature and making your potions isn't what, you know, you're going to get any accolades for. You're not going to get, you know, people are not going to recognize anything about that. Um, and, uh, so, you know, eventually I kind of, and I actually wasn't that interested in school for a long time. 
not until I got to high school. And then I suddenly kind of things clicked for me. I was interested in English. I was interested in science. And um, the reason I actually went to med school, I didn't know I was an English major in college. Um, and I, I really wasn't totally sure I wanted to go to med school. I thought about it here and there, but um, it was when I saw Bill, the Bill Moyers special, for anyone who watched Bill Moyers, um, he did this special called Healing and the Mind, which came out when I was in college. And I watched this special and particularly was taken by the story of a young girl who had lupus and she couldn't take her meds because they were toxic to her kidneys. But she then, when she'd stop her meds, her lupus would flare. So she was in this kind of lose-lose situation. And her doctor said, well, you know what? We're going to give her castor oil every time she takes her meds. And then eventually they stopped giving her meds, gave her just castor oil, and her body responded as if she was getting her meds. And they said, this is called psychoneuroimmunology. And I thought, wow, that's what I want to do with my life. I'm interested in that thing. That's interesting. I'm going to go to med school. And I wrote my essay about it. And they let me into med school, even though I learned many years later over the course of all my training that psychoneuroimmunology is not something they teach in medical school or in residency very much, at least, certainly not when I was there. Um, so throughout my training, I thought, well, I'm going to eventually learn that. But you know what med school is. I mean, it's you know, you're inculcated and it's a little bit, I mean, you know, I hate to say brainwashing, but kind of, you know, you're expected to, you're expected to take on this whole paradigm and it doesn't include things like psychoneuroimmunology for sure. And I also had three children over the course of my training. So it was really actually my son who reminded me um, of what I was here to do, what I had gone to med school to do many, many years uh, into my training when I was in my neurology fellowship. Wonderful, wonderful. And you're, the story of your son and what happened with your son is it opens up your book, The Dirt Cure, and the things that you learned in that journey, which kind of leads to, wow, the Terrain Institute and tomorrow, the launch of the week-long terrain summit. So could you, you know, again, it's, I love how we learn through stories. Could you take us into and through that and tell us, I bet people out here don't know what the terrain Institute is and how, you know, you've, you've really put together a perspective that allows us, I believe, to advance, to evolve humanity through the thoughts, through your theories, through the way that you practice medicine. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> First of all, um, you know, so I think many of us know that the people around us in our lives are become our spiritual teachers whether we're having an easy time or a difficult time, there are always these spiritual lessons that we, that we get to have. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us recognize that our children can be our spiritual teachers very often. And for me, all three of my children are, but especially my youngest son, who I call my muse because he's led me through exactly where I've needed to be professionally through things that he needed in his, um, you know, as he's had health challenges. So, and he had kind of a couple of 
experiences. The first one um, is what led me to write The Dirt Cure, which, you know, around a year of age, he developed what seemed like asthma and he was having breathing issues. He was having a kind of a neurological, developmental almost regression. He had been an early talker. He stopped gaining new words. He was falling. He wasn't catching himself. So he was hitting his face on the ground and he'd always have like a bruised forehead and nose. It was I was in my pediatric neurology fellowship. I was studying adult and pediatric neurology at that time. So it was, it was kind of a terrifying time, um, you know, watching this happen in real time with my own child. And I went to different doctors. I went to the best quote unquote um, pediatric allergist in maybe the world, but one of the mo most known. Um, and he kind of poo-pooed me, basically sent me home you know, said, Oh, no, I don't think this is a food allergy. And eventually, I found somebody who um, an allergist who found a skin test, and his whole arm blew up from soy. And it turned out he was allergic to soy. And it also turned out that he was drinking soy milk every day because he had been allergic to regular dairy. And I thought soy was better for him at the time, right? This was a long time ago before I really understood very much about soy, where food comes from, etc. But you know, we took him off of soy and within a few days, uh, the 10 months of him constantly being on steroids, antibiotics, inhalers, constantly me missing work, my, missing my fellowship training. You can imagine how that was going. Um, you know, that was over. He stopped being sick. But of course, we then had to recover his his body from all the medications that he'd been on. And um, so that really got me into how do you what are the foundations of health? And this is true, of course, for children. And, you know, I do adult and pediatric neurology. So I offered this, you know, as health for children and for families. But it's, of course, true for everyone being exposed to germs and microbes. And yes, I said being exposed to germs and microbes, um, feeding that microbiome, number one. Number two, eating fresh food from healthy soil. And number three, getting outdoors into nature, connecting to nature. So those three things became the foundation of my book, The Dirt Cure. And that was really huge uh, for a lot of people. And, you know, I was able to recover my son, who is now uh, 15 and a half years old. And as I was telling you before we started, you know, taller than everyone else in the family and just finished taking, an, you know, a homeschooling course in, um, in physiology. And he know, he's chatting with me about physiology and, you know, anatomy and did a whole thing on that. and. Um, very passionate about chess. So he, he grew up and is growing up to be, you know, um, a healthy, robust kid. He's someone who spots eagles and hawks wherever we go. It's like unbelievable. I used to think he was making it up, but then we, he would, oh, it would always bear out. We'd be like, oh my God, there is the eagle. He really, you know, so he, I always think he's sort of like this little shaman kid, but, um, but then, you know, how did this turn into terrain? Well, a few years later after that, so that was when he was about a year to a year and a half. So when he was seven years old, um, we discovered, and probably this is why he was sick way back when he was a year, we discovered mold in our apartment. We had to do a whole gutting of the apartment. He was actually having breathing issues again. Suddenly we were like, what is this? And um, we had to move out, gutted a whole bunch of the apartment down to the studs and had to, it was a whole elaborate thing, got rid of all our upholstered furniture, you know, it was a very, uh, you know, intense time. And we moved back in, everything had been gutted, all the clothes had been cleaned, 
all the stuffed animals had been gotten rid of. I mean, all the things that you can imagine. And within two weeks of moving back in, he was taking a shower in the brand new bathroom and he had a seizure and he'd never had a seizure before. And he had a seizure right in that bathroom, which was like the epicenter of the mold, except there was no more mold. It had been tested, the whole thing. And it was, you know, here I am, I'm holding him, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, just what I knew with all my heart and soul was, um, this isn't just a physical thing. His, we've done everything. I know what to do. I was the pediatric neurologist, in fact, in the world, probably people would have sent my son to. And um, what I discovered was in that moment, I said, I need to learn what's happening in his energy body and his spiritual body, because this is something more than physical. And that took me on a journey to Ecuador. And it took me on a journey into learning with elders and shamans and, you know, really growing my ideas and my understanding all the way back to who I was when I was playing in the creek as a child, um, to this idea of terrain and the idea that our health is not just about what we're doing in our physical bodies. It's, it's actually based in the paradigm that everything is connected. And that was when I started the Terrain Institute to teach people about this is we're part of the natural world. The natural world is part of us and we are physical, emotional, spiritual, creative, and in fact, ecological beings. And we have to be in good relations with ourselves uh, with those around us and with the land that we stand on. And I would even say our ancestors and the invisible world in order to truly be healthy. Oh, that is such a beautiful explanation of, of the Terrain Institute. And I know this is ongoing, ever unfolding for you. You know, you'll, you'll be the forever student. I know I'll be the forever student as well, but, you know, you know, really bringing it together when we talk about, you know, epigenetics. So there's the constant community internal communication, but we as a living organism are also constantly can communicate communicating with the external environment and in you know so many ways it feels like you know we've gotten separated from that we have cut ourselves off from that and 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 and, and it for as a human being it, it goes all the way back to you know how we're born and how we come into the world and how important it is to come into the world through the vaginal canal, you know, near the, the anus of the mother and for that baby to be skin to skin and open that little mouth and put their mouth on the nipple. And then all these microbes are being infused to activate the, not only the, the physical, but also the energetic imprint of what it means to be human. And, you know, I would, I would love for our, um, you know, our viewers, you know, think back to, you know, the circumstances of your own birth and, and how you were born. And did you come into the world through your mom's vagina and were you breastfed? And then kind of go back and think about your allergies. Think about your illnesses. Think about, you know, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later, you know, what is happening here that, you know, upstream of that started, you know, way back when. And like you said, even going into what's happening 
on the ancestral level, the generational information, both the, the trauma and the triumph that gets passed on and those energetic imprints. So I'm loving all of that. So we have Marianne saying everything is connected. Absolutely. Sharon is saying thank you for sharing Dr. Maya and Dr. Kathy, love, love this, the return to nature. We're all connected. Thank you for your words. So yeah, so extraordinarily important. And one of the, um, the most fascinating uh, interviews that you have is your interview with Kieran Krishnan. And the, the whole concept, we used to, the two of you are talking about your microbial terrain, the science of community, so that inner community and how that connects with the outer community. Could you tell us, before we get into that, tell people a little bit about what the Terrain Summit is and why, why did you start there? Why did you start talking about germs, Dr. Maya? That's what you <laughs> Well, you know, what really fascinates me is this idea of where does where do we end? Like where does the me end and the we begin, right? Because what we know now, and this is what I learned really at the beginning of trying to heal my son way back when, is you know we're actually only about ten percent human material in our bodies, and we're mostly microbes. And these microbes are living in and on our body three to five pounds of microbes, um, bacteria, viruses, fungi, even parasites that are invisible to us, but are actually very active members of our physiology. Their, their, their byproducts are our nutrients like B12 and like vitamin K. They're actually producing um, nutrients that are essential to us. They are communicating constantly with our immune system. They're communicating with our mitochondria. And what's amazing about that is the way that they communicate with our mitochondria. People may not know this, but mitochondria evolved from bacteria. And, um, you know, this is really beautiful work done by Lynn Margulies um, way back when. And um, <clears throat> so the way that bacteria and mitochondria are in communication with each other all the time is a way that bacteria talk to one another, which is called quorum sensing. So there's this way in which the bacteria in and on our body are in constant communication with our mitochondria, which are, yes, the powerhouse of the cell. And I have a beautiful, beautiful interview with Dr. Robert Navio, who is uh, a brilliant scientist, uh, mitochondrial scientist, and he never does interviews, but he's a very dear friend of mine for a long time. So he agreed to do the interview for the summit. And we talk exactly about how um, the mitochondria is more than just even the energy maker or the powerhouse of the cell, how complex its relationship is. It's talking to the nuclei it's taught and telling the nucleus what hormones to release, what neurotransmitters to release, you know, all kinds of really powerful things are happening between the microbes in our body and our cells. And so, you know, there's this idea that we're not just, we're not just these individual beings, you know, we're actually communities. We're actually, you know, as Kieran says, we're like a rainforest, a walking rainforest. And um, that to me is just so profound. So this idea of terrain and of germs is, you know, we don't want to avoid, 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 you know, and we're, and now, I mean, who would have thought that, um, you know, this would become so relevant, 
with the time that we're in with this pandemic. But in fact, you know, there's a lot of conversation now of what's going to happen, especially to children. But I think this is actually totally true for adults, too, um, as they're in this kind of masked, you know, hand sanitized world ever more so where they're not connecting to community and to other people and even to nature as much as they might have been before and what's going to happen to those developing immune systems. So I think this is really just as important as ever because the thing that we really know about the immune system and part of why these microbes are so important is they allow our immune systems to practice and learn. You know, it's like practicing the violin when you have the big performance. If you didn't practice, you know, or you paid someone else to come in and practice for you, or you slapped the person's hand away every time, you know, they went to practice, what are they going to do once they get on stage and they have to do that big, you know, concerto? They can't do it, you know, they're, they're going to flub up. So you really need practice. And that's part of what our experience um, with germs and microbes does for us. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so beautifully said. And I, I hope people are kind of getting the picture. So one of the things that my husband and I did, an opportunity that came through the the pandemic is that, okay, so we're, we're shut down. We can't, we created a beautiful garden in the backyard and just started planting things and growing things and, and digging in that dirt and making sure that we were outside, you know, every day on most days, particularly, you know, it started in March. So we were going into better and better weather. And we essentially spent most of the year outdoors and most of the year eating the wonderful food that we grew in our own garden. And and again, on so many levels, mind, body, and spirit, this was so healing and dynamic and well-connected. But what about, you know, the adults that are watching and they're wondering, okay, well, how do I pr protect, and I love this word, the holobiome of me. That might be a new word to some people, but you and Dr. Kieran talk about that, the holobiome. How, what, what can people do right now? Because as we see, you know, we, now we got this vaccination thing going and, and we're, 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 we're in a quite, quite a pickle here. How do what 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 might be a pathway toward holism and toward healing? Well, I think, and I don't want to romanticize nature in the sense that um, you know nothing is nothing nothing is without its challenges, right? But you know the kinds of things that um, nourish, nurture and nourish our microbiome are um, diversity, actually. Things that are, you know, di being exposed to diverse foods, um, diverse organisms, um, having diverse kinds of experiences. And this could include um, just eating different, different colors and different kinds of like fruits and vegetables um, because diverse foods beget diverse microbes. And what we want, you know, I always talk, what is our magic bullet? Because we always thought it was going to be, oh, we're going to find that gene that tells us everything, you know, that we're going to find that one drug that's going to. No, it turns out the magic bullet is diversity. And how, you know, beautiful and relevant is that in these times when people are, I hope, finally even thinking about what everybody's contributing, how important it is that we're all here 
um, honoring everybody and everybody's voice and everybody's contribution. And that is true, right? As above, so below, as within, so without. Within our own bodies, we need to have incredibly diverse organisms doing, um, you know, playing a lot of different kinds of roles. So food diversity absolutely is important. Being out in nature, soil is the most diverse um, micro, uh, probiotic you can find, right? So we're all eating things, you know, we're getting the probiotics off the shelves and go out and you have one teaspoon of soil that you're, you know, and I too am digging my hands and planting things. And that's what I did through the pandemic and the biggest garden I've ever had. I got 12 new chickens built up. We built a whole new chicken coop. So we have a double chicken coop, you know, um, I'm getting microbes from my, my pets, from my chickens, from my dog. We share a microbiome thinking about actually, you know, a communal microbiome is really important. So it's community with nature, it's community with animals, it's community with your food. And ideally it's community with other people. Um, even if it's just your pod, but you know, we know that, um, when we're in a, a group in person together with other people, we actually expand our microbiome significantly. So um, it's really actually thinking about how not to use too much hand sanitizer, how not to use too much bleach, um, how to make sure that you're really sometimes finding that way to be outside, pulling that mask down a little bit so you're breathing in the microbes if you're in nature, especially. You know, I, I run in the woods and I walk in the woods almost every day. And um, I see a lot of people wearing a mask the entire time, even when I only pass one person, it's empty there. So if you have that possibility of being alone in a nature place, pull that down and breathe in the microbes. You know, we want to have those exposures um, in a way that feels okay and comfortable. I love all of that. And I also love, you know, the metaphor of, diversity is good for us. Mm -hmm. So folks, I want you to hear that. So that means not only the internal diversity, that means, you know, not only the exposure within our pods, but literally the diversity that's available in humankind. This is how we are built. This is, this is, you know, mind, body, and spirit. We're meant to have that reflected within, and it's also meant to be reflected without. And I and I think you know what we're seeing in the world, or certainly in this country, is this infectoid of hatred, which is absolutely insane. You know, we're, you know, we're literally going to kill ourselves psychologically and spiritually if we don't learn how to turn this around if we don't learn how to see the oneness and recognize the oneness and i love how you're bringing it right down to the eukaryotic cell you know the mitochondria and and through the terrain summit help people to see and understand these relationships and tell us a little bit please about the Terrain Summit and the opportunity there. And I know, you know, um, we're going to be dropping in the chat how people can find out more about that, how they can participate and how they can learn. I'm telling you, this is so exciting. It's different. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I love that you said it's different because, you know, there's a lot of summits out there. And the reason I never like to do anything that I think other people are already doing. Like, I don't want to just, you know, I don't want to just do things to do it. I really want to bring something 
new and a new perspective and a new paradigm. And um, so what the Terrain Summit for me is really is my baby, you know, because I wanted to bring this paradigm where it's not like, um, here are all the answers, like you have to do this list of things, you know, but really to understand there's a lot of ways in. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that we might feel sick or we might be more prone to um, being uh, not being in our most optimal function, you know, and that's physically, emotionally, spiritually. And there's a lot of ways into that. So I wanted to really people who could talk about our physical bodies and, you know, the food that we eat and our microbiome and, um, you know, our mitochondria, but also really practical things like blood sugar, like, you know, like the big, really like some of the basics, you know, toxins, all that kind of stuff. But then I also wanted to have people who could talk about our emotional health. So I have, um, you know, Jennifer Mullen, who calls herself, she's uh, on Instagram as decolonizing therapy. Um, she's a therapist and she's talking about um, the terrain of rage. You know, if one of the things I believe is that things like um, grief, we have Claudia, Dr. Claudia Ford talking about grief, um, you know, to be talking about trauma, to be talking about rage, to be talking about grief. I don't believe that there's any emotion that's shameful or that's bad or that's wrong. And what I believe is that until we identify these kinds of emotions within ourselves that we all have um, and help move them, learn ways to work with them and to talk about them. Those are going to be things we're holding in our body. We all experience different kinds of trauma in our lives. And um, we know, for example, about things like adverse childhood events, ACEs, you might have seen, um, mm -hmm. that we actually physically hold within our bodies. You know, if you have um, a family member who's incarcerated or has addiction or your parents, you know, um, there was violence or abuse or divorce, the things that a lot of us go through, you know, in our lives, many of us go through, those things change our nervous systems, change our connective tissue. We hold those things in our cells and there's a lot of data about this, published data. And so I wanted to have ways that we could be talking about this because it is affecting our physical body. It is affecting our mental health. Um, and then I wanted to have people who were going to be able to talk about um, creativity in our health, right? Like Dr. Carol Penn, who is one of our wonderful speakers and gave just a most glorious interview, um, you know, and talking about, I had someone... Um, also, Dr. Uh, not Dr. Um, but Aisha Ophelia, who uh, talk, talks about the Girlfriend Manifesto, and she was talking about making bad art. And that has been a practice that I've taken on ever since that interview where I'm painting and just doing, um, you know, not for anybody else to see, but just like connecting with my creative um, receptive side, right, which a lot of us aren't doing. We're all in this like, go, 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 what am I producing mode? So um, so I really wanted to create this idea of we're looking at our creative terrain. We're looking at our spiritual terrain where um, we have a shaman um, who's talking about the invisible world and how we're connecting with the invisible world um, as well. So I just uh, I really wanted it to be something expansive where there was something for everyone and, um, you know, really a way to think about our health as, again, that indigenous way of thinking that physical health is downstream to our spiritual and our emotional health. And that if we're not talking about spiritual, um, the spiritual world as well, you know, that we're really not going to totally understand what's going on in our physical bodies and in the physical world. 
I couldn't agree more. And I, and I love, you know, rage, the emotional terrain and ancestral healing. This is part of the work that Dr. Kathy Farrar and I are doing. Um, when we're, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion and, you know, unpacking racism and looking at uh, generational trauma and racialized trauma as well. And, you know, again, you know, Dr. and Dr. Mullen's um, interview, and I love she's here in Jersey with me. Um, she talks about unpacking her own rage and that she helps other people unpack and explore theirs. And so you're really looking at it through the sacred lens or the ancestral lens, you know, so same thing, you know, you know, with our, with our viewers, when you think about, again, how you're manifesting now and you think about all the areas of your life and do you truly feel healthy? Do you truly feel balanced? Have you explored that emotional territory? You know, I, I was raised with the idea children are to be seen, not heard, and that it was not very polite for a woman to express girl an adolescent, a woman to express her rage or her anger. And I know it took me a long time to learn how to, uh, to, to live with my anger, to live with my rage. I would literally break out in hives if I was in the presence of a, of someone else's rage, a strong, not, not even necessarily directed at me, but two people having a strong argument and because, you know, I was taught to stuff it, stuff it, don't go there. And that became a real, visible, physiological response. There I would be, hives, head to foot. Because I'm just, I'm allergic to your anger, let alone not able to even metabolize my mm -hmm. own. And again, you know, raised with that strong, strong, strong cultural edict. And, you know, I've been learning over the last 10 years, especially, you know, all emotion is innocent and it all has a place and it can all be our teacher. And again, I think in some ways that's why I became a dancer because I learned at a very early age that what I was not allowed to express verbally, I could express through my movement. I could express through performance. I could express through my creativity. My And none of the adults in my life seem to censor that at all. <laughs> so, right. I, you know, I would, I, that's where I would go. That would always be my, my go-to. And I always say that for me, when I'm moving, that's not so much when I'm talking to God, but that's when God is talking to me. You know, my my messages um, are kinesthetic. They come through the impression of, of movement. So I love that. I also have to welcome my dear sister friend, Jana Long, to the show. She is just one of the globe's most amazing yoga instructors. And, you know, she really understands the how important movement is to what to literally and you use that term be able to move through our emotions mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get hardwired into our our nervous system and i think that's one of the things that's different in my approach when you work with me you're also going to move with me as well now another area that um you go into is the terrain of art and visual healing. How does the terrain of art and visual healing 
impact the microbiome of us? What does that have, what does art have to do with, with healing? Well, I feel like I should be asking you that question right now, but, <laughs> but I did. And you can listen to her interview to hear the answer to that question. Um, you know, I asked um, Louis Schwartzberg to come and do an interview. Louis Schwartzberg, for those who don't know, is actually one of the foremost, um, what is it called? Like the, um, I can't think of the word actually, but he, he does the most beautiful nature filming that um, is very like, uh, it's like frame by frame. So you can see like the, the blooming of the flower. You can see, you know, he slows things down or speeds things up in such a way that you um, can ex really experience the awe of processes in nature that you would normally not be able to appreciate because of the way that um, time works, right? So he, he plays with time and and what we're able to explore. And um, he made the movie Fantastic Fungi, for those of you who don't know, which is a mind-blowing movie. And anyone who follows me on social media knows that I am a huge forager um, of mushrooms. I love finding all different kinds of mushrooms and photographing them and cooking them and making medicine from them. So, um, so anyway, Fantastic Fungi is an amazing film as a side point. But he does this beautiful work where he brought um, these films into hospitals where in each hospital room, a person can choose to go on a journey, um, you know, to the bottom of the ocean, to, um, you know, a beautiful place in a foreign land. And basically um, they can choose this journey. And what they are doing is studying what this does for people's recovery, what this does for their physical and their mental and their emotional health. And of course, not surprisingly, it's profound. And we know, and this is something I've actually, even all the way back when I was presenting for the mind, body, the, you know, uh, mind, mood and food and, you know, all of the food as medicine conferences, I would always show, um, you know, how just if you're looking out the window at trees in the hospital, your healing goes faster. You, you know, you are discharged more quickly. You need less pain medication. You know, we're literally being supported by nature um, just by seeing it. And here he's bringing this very rich visual experience and they're experimenting with um, scents, adding, adding actually, um, you know, different kinds of fragrances to it and music. And so really making these experiential um, healing events you know, that someone can choose in their hospital room. So very profound to think about, you know, we think a lot about food as medicine, but we don't think about what we're feeding ourselves through our eyes and our ears. Um, so that I thought was a very profound way of thinking about our terrain because, you know, what we have, we have a lot of agency. I think right now there's a lot of sense of, you know, things are happening to us and we can't control Things. And it's true to some degree that we can't, but there are things we can control. And um, I'm always interested in where do we have agency? Where do we have the possibility of sovereignty? And, you know, how can we create these beautiful safe spaces within ourselves and also these beautiful spaces, these diverse spaces around us? And so for me, what was very important and potent about this summit is to have lots of different kinds of voices. We actually have um, Jackie Summers, who's talking about, um, he was the first uh, black, 
person in the United States to have a liquor license. He started a amazing um, company, uh, Sorel, which was a you know bringing his own culture uh, to uh, make a very unique product. And um, he talks about his journey as an entrepreneur um, dealing with the dealing with you know the issue of racism and inequity. And so um, and it's a really beautiful conversation that I don't think a lot of us are having to to weave that in to, um, as you said, Carol, that idea of diversity around us as well as within us and really hearing a lot of different voices and a lot of different people's healing journeys and, um, you know, and the gifts that they have taken away from those. Oh, beautiful. So, you know, one of the things that I look at in my own practice is, Food is medicine, meditation as medicine, movement as medicine, and art and beauty as medicine. And I, I you know, again, if, if, if people could, you know, that peripheral vision expanded a little bit more, we do have agency over much more than we think we do. So we have a Jana is saying, I love everything that's been shared. This is such a rich dialogue. And then we have here from Martha. This is exciting because I carry an EpiPen. I have issues with gluten, lactose, latex, different allergies. I have a complex health history and diagnosis. I live in constant fear, even in the hospital and rehab places. No one believes my fear and difficulties. And I think she's speaking of something that's pretty common, that when we go into established medical places, oftentimes we feel that we're not being heard. No one is listening to us. How do people get heard when, you know, they know the truth of, of themselves is that, you know, their microbiome is struggling with the external biome and these, you know, you know, these are, are real threats. These are threats when, you know, people who are in danger of these anaphylactic reactions. Um, you know, I think, and as I said at the very beginning of this conversation, I went through this same thing when, with my son. Um, which is I went to, you know, this top doctor and here I was a doctor, you know, and actually um, his dad, my son's dad also is a doctor and was a doctor in that institution. And I was still kind of, you know, got patted on the head. Oh, you're just a hysterical mom, you know, and I think that it's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of, first of all, there's a lot of misogyny in the medical system. That's for sure. Um, it's still a very patriarchal system. Um, and, uh, you know, it took a lot of advocating, um, and also just being willing to, um, be really persistent, but it's of course exhausting to have to do that when you really want to be healing and need to be healing. Um, and you know, it just happened in fact, the other day that sometimes people are sitting in my office and I bet this has happened with you too, Dr. Carol, is that. Um, you know, people sitting in the office, I mean, I tell people all the time, like, you're an expert in yourself, or you're an expert in your child. I'm an expert in a lot of people, but you're the expert in yourself. And the only way that we're going to be able to move forward um, and really heal you is if we're partnering, right? Not me just telling people what to do, but me, but us listening to one another and partnering together. 
Um, and I always tell people to follow that, you know, intuition. And I think just more and more of us have to um, be able to say that to, to patients and really uh, teach people about that partnering. Um, it's, it's, I think the way that we come to any success in medicine is, is to feel empowered also, right. And to feel heard. I mean, I think we really, um, you know, minimize and under um, estimate the power of being validated. That is a healing in and of itself, just being validated. And, um, you know, that's part of what I actually, you know, part of that witnessing that happens, um, what I create in my classes in the Terrain Institute is just that we can witness each other. Sometimes it doesn't even, you don't even need all the fixing. It's just the witnessing and the, and being validated for what you yourself are feeling, being believed, can be profound. Yeah, that in and of itself can be a profound healing to be witnessed, to be witnessed. Oftentimes when I'm, I'm working with a group and someone is moving through powerful emotions, they're doing the ugly cry, you know, it's not running out of their nose. I, I, and I'll, I say this at the beginning, you know, don't hand that person a tissue. You know, it's okay. It's just a little mucus. Let this might be the first time or the only time or where they feel that they can get that thing out. And oftentimes, you know, that's our own, that's more about the person handing the tissue than it is about the person. It brings up a discomfort in you. Uh, and, it, and it becomes very, you know, disruptive. And it, tells the person, oh, you know, tuck that back in, tuck that back in. But a lot of times to have that witness, to have that vulnerability witness, to have the power of whatever is moving through the person at that time. And when the person gets on the other side of that, suddenly you see a brightness to them, a light that comes back into their eyes mm -hmm. that says, oh, you know, I'm alive, I'm whole and complete in this moment. And it's, it's so powerful to, to witness that, to see that, um, and, and to share that with a, the intimacy of sharing that with another human being. I always love that. So Marianne is saying, awesome tidbit, looking at trees when hospitalized can improve healing. And yeah, there are studies about that. In my home office, every window that I look out upon, I see trees. I see. And I've always insisted on that. I would choose my apartments in the various places that I, I've lived around the United States by the view from my bedroom window. If I wasn't looking out on a tree, probably wasn't going to take that apartment. That was always important for me. And again, I knew that that was good somehow before I could, you know, had words to it. I, I knew that was good medicine for me. And perhaps it goes back to when I was a little girl, my bedroom window looked out on a tree. And I always, I'm also like you, the only child of my mom, um, felt safe in that, felt safe looking out on these branches and felt safe knowing that, you know, there was a yard that I got to run around in. And, you know, I used to love digging up dirt worms. That was, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do. And we do have a question. 
that I want to get to, and it's from Patricia. She says, why do allergies run in cycles, like seven-year cycles? Well, you know, I'm not that familiar with that idea, but what I will say is that in Chinese medicine, um, actually, they talk about seven-year cycles um, in the uh, tradition of Chinese medicine, which is, you know, obviously many, many, many thousands of years old, that every seven years you're in a new cycle. Um, so I think, you know, our bodies do shift and our bodies change. And um, that's like a really important thing to me, too. And part of why I wanted to kind of make this terrain summit be something that um, really touched a lot of places and gave people a really broad idea of how to interact with the material um, and with themselves is because what we need at one time in our lives may not be what we need seven years later or seven years later or seven years later, right? That we are shifting, we are changing. And while things can repeat, cycles can repeat, we're, we're never in the same exact place that we were you know, the time before. So if you have a new health flare, for example, or you're coming back to the same allergies and you're like, hey, why is this happening in my body? I feel like I already dealt with this seven years ago. Or, you know, it's about really like, well, what does my body need right now? What does my body, mind and spirit need right now? And what's the next um, kind of step for me? What's the next adventure for me? You know, what are the next things I need to learn or give myself? And for me, I really had that experience, in fact, with my son, who at a year was sick with the asthma and all of those things. Yes. And then actually, it was about six years, but almost seven years later, um, if we think of kind of a broader definition of, you know, when the symptoms started, it was about seven years later or so. Um, that he got this new breathing thing, right? And that was right around the time we moved out. And then he had the seizure was about seven years later. And, um, you know, it was really, I think, for us to understand what the next frontier was. Um, now, what do I need to do? Because, of course, I felt so discouraged at that time. I thought, God, I did all these things. I'm doing the food. He's getting out into nature. I'm, you know, I'm do nourishing him in this way, in this way. And, um, you know, I felt so, so like really questioning of myself. And then I thought, no, you know, this is, there's more to know. There's more to learn. There's more that his body needs, his body, mind, and spirit need. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really about interacting with what our bodies and our minds and our spirits need at each phase. Um, when things come up for us again and again, it's also sometimes a sign that there's something a little karmic. This is my, you know, perspective is that there are these karmic things that can come up for us. And um, I talk a lot in the Terrain Institute for my students about how do we burn karma is by really not getting sort of, you know, letting ourselves fall into the same grooves again, but learning how to take that moment and say, hey, I'm seeing this repeating for me. What might I need to learn right now? How can I interact with this challenge differently than I have in the past? Um, and maybe sometimes those things will then resolve and they won't come back again. That can happen sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, the hour flies by. So what I want everybody to know is that I'm going to send out on my email list 
an invitation for people to join the Terrain Summit. It starts tomorrow and it goes through March 28th. My interview airs on March 28th. So I'm really excited, looking forward to that. That's the last day of the summit. There's lots of downloads and goodies as soon as you join, because I know people are going to want to journey with you during this week. I know they're going to want to hear these speakers. I know they're going to want to understand the terrain of themselves better. They, that you know, hey, this is, you know, the first weekend in spring. Spring is starting this weekend. And so it's time for spring cleaning. It's time for renewal. It is time for us to understand the terrain of ourselves. So this is, you know, everybody, look, this is y'all's homework. You know, I give y'all homework to Step into this this year. Step into this as we're learning more and more and more about COVID-19 and this virus. Learn about your intimate, intrinsic, literally your life depends upon a relationship between you and, and the world around us, both seen and unseen. And that includes all these all these little probes with the three to five pounds that we carry of microbes in and around us as humans. So I'm just so grateful that you shared all your pearls of wisdom, that you introduced us to all these new terms and new people in ways that people might not have been thinking about their health before. Mm -hmm. You know, stretching out the definitions of health, what it means to optimize health and wellness. So we're grateful. We're excited for all of that. And we're really excited for the Terrain Summit and the journey we're going to go on this week, all this week with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your beautiful interview. I can't wait for people here to get to be a part of that interview because it was so beautiful. And I'm sure people here know you so intimately, but um, it was just so beautiful to hear your story and your perspective. So um, I'm excited for, for us to go on this journey together. Yes, I am too. So fantastic discussion and gifts for all of us to embrace. Thank you. Yes, great information. Thank you, doctors, as always. So tune in tomorrow, this week, Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. Meditation in a Time of Madness, the morning show. You'll be hearing more and more about the Terrain Summit on each day this week. So really exciting week. And next Sunday, we're going to be having an exciting interview with my super friend, Dr. Michael Friedman, founder of the Association for the Advancement of Restorative Medicine. So I am so excited. Have a great week, everyone. We're going to sign off. Yes, Marianne. Thank you. Yes, Sharon. Thank you. Hey, Karen, welcome. And thank you so much. All right. Till tomorrow morning.